Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Who are watching uh, via video today, my name is Terry McHugh. If I haven't met you, I serve as the executive pastor here of our one church in three locations. And uh, Pastor Scott Blevins was scheduled to preach live at South Euclid but he became ill, so he's not able to be there. So we have had a video presence before at South Euclid, so we're joining you that way today, and I'll introduce our preacher in just a moment. But yesterday at South Euclid, I want to take a moment to celebrate. We had an event called the um, a mini-conference and a movie screening called The Hate You Give. This was a conference for the community. We had police officers there. We had youth there. We had many people just from the area. It was led by Kimberly Chapman Wynn and, and others from our congregation. And it was an opportunity to have safe, honest, vulnerable conversations about racism and about violence. And we didn't know that um, the murder of Atatiana Jefferson would be taking place in Fort Worth, you know, not long before the conference. We'd scheduled it before then. But we want to continue to have these conversations, continue to widen the circle and be a place where people can come together and not fall apart. And so it was a joy, it was a celebration. Scott had a huge hand in uh, putting that together along with Kimberly and others, and he wasn't able to be there, but God works. And it was a wonderful event. Uh, nearly 100 people were there. So thank you for, for that. Thank you, South Euclid, for so many of you who served there and served to welcome um, and today, our online campus pastor, Kurt Bissell, is going to be bringing the word. And uh, if you worship online, and many of you, if you're not in town or you're home ill, you can jump into the service at live streams uh, for this 10 o'clock service. And Kurt will be interacting with you. And today, part of why he's preaching is because he's a great preacher. Part of why he's preaching is because we want to prove that he's not a bot. <laughs> he's a live human being. Um, he has a full-time gig elsewhere, but he serves. He's an ordained United Methodist pastor, and uh, super excited to have him. So come on out, Kurt. And he's probably... And if he makes fun of me, don't pay any attention. He's great except for that. I wasn't going to make fun of you this service, but I made fun of her last service <laughs> a lot. But she was picking on me for... Well, she wasn't directly picking on me, but... Um, I am not a bot. Well, I could just be a plant. And no, nah, I'm not. Okay. Well, um, it, yeah, I want to say hello to the um, to South Euclid. Um, we are praying for Pastor Scott for quick healing um, of all that's going on with him. You know, it's sometimes we, we push up against injustice, and and, um, and 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 injustice pushes back, right? Satan pushes back. So we uh, sometimes I think we know that we are pushing against evil. 
um, when things like this happen. So just a reminder and an affirmation that we are doing God's work in this place. Amen? So let us, let us continue to pray. Um, you know, one of the scriptures, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share it right up front because I think it's so powerful and a good reminder. Uh, Paul, Paul reminds us in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 6, he says uh, in verse 12, For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces in heavenly places. We're not fighting against each other, are we? We're fighting against the enemy, against spiritual forces. So um, we're going to talk about prayer this morning, um, and we're going we're to talk about about how can we overcome injustice. But I also want to say hi to all my friends on, on uh, social media in the digital space. I am real. So that is exciting to confirm. Um, but uh, Terry asked me to, to fill in to preach a couple weeks ago, and I, uh, I said yes before she sent me the text. So mental note, don't ever say yes before you get the text ever again, because we are in our series, Jesus said that, um, I, or Jesus said, what it, what it, Jesus said this, you heard that, hard sayings of the Bible, and um, Pastor Chip has been talking about whenever you get these hard sayings of the Bible, you want to treat them like hard candy. And, and when you treat them like hard candy, that means you want to savor them. You don't want to just bite into them. Because if you bite into a, a hard candy, you're going to end up at the dentist the next week, right? You're going you're gonna to break your teeth. You're going to really, um, you're going to hurt yourself. So you want to savor it. You want to think over it and meditate over it and figure out how you want to apply it. Well, I got this scripture uh, that Bill read for us. And I thought, this ain't just hard candy. This is a sour hard candy. Like, this is, this is like a lemon head. And and um, I was like, oh boy, this, this is rough. And, and I came across this meme, and I thought, keep calm and, and eat lemon heads, right? And I thought, okay, I like lemon heads. I can, I can handle this. Like, uh, so so I, began to, I began to pray about this, and I thought, okay, I can, I can handle this. And then I talked to, to Pastor Scott, um, and we traded some emails. So uh, South Euclid, half of this message is Pastor Scott's, half of this is mine, the good half is Scott's, and then the half that you don't like is mine. So we're all good on that, and we got that clear, cleared up. Um, but as we go into this, the, the, first, the first line of the parable, Jesus says, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. So right off the bat in this parable, Jesus is saying, we're going to pray. And whenever we face injustice, I think there are two natural uh, tendencies of, of humans that, to do. And the, number one is to fight, or number two is to flight. And what we don't have a natural tendency to do is pray. And so right up front, Jesus is saying, hey, y'all, you need to pray. You need to make sure that you pray because you're naturally either going to run away from the situation, get discouraged, throw your hands up and say, I'm out. I'm not dealing with this injustice. I'm not dealing with this. I'm giving up. Or I'm going to fight and you're just going to take up arms and you're not going to remember to involve the Lord and to pray about it. And so Jesus is saying right up front, when we get into this story about injustice, we need to remember to pray. And so he puts it right up front. And that scripture that I just read from Paul uh, in Ephesians, it's that reminder that we need to pray. 
that, that because that this is not a struggle against flesh and blood, that this is a spiritual struggle. And if we want to overcome injustice, it's all about prayer. And so he lays it out in that regard, that that is the undergird, uh, undergirding truth beyond, behind what we are doing today. And so, so there is, there is the, the foundation point of, of the scripture today. Now I want to take a look at, at the three characters of this passage. And the three characters that we're going to experience today are the, the judge, the widow, and then the Lord Jesus. And so I want to first take a look at the judge. In verse 2 it says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. So, who is the judge? The scripture gives us a brief but vivid picture of the judge. He has no fear for man, he ha- or fear for God, he has no respect for people. He is godless, he is self-centered, he is self-serving, he is dishonorable, he is unjust, he is transactional. But as a judge, he is also powerful, he has wealth, he has influence, and maybe most importantly for the widow, he has the ability to relieve her plight, to bring her justice. And because of that ability, the judge becomes an oppressor and a perpetuator, an enabler of the injustice that the widower is experiencing. I have a business coach because this isn't my full-time job. And um, one of my, um, this, this business coach is a retired executive vice president at a regional bank. And um, I was considering making a, a small career change and going into kind of corporate leadership. And I said to this gentleman, I said, if I go into corporate leadership, I said, you know, what are the keys to moving up? I don't want to get stuck in like middle management. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I said, I want to I move up the chain. I'm a, I'm a red. How many of you are in the small groups right now? How many of you are Reds? So here's where I picked on Terry at the last service. She was describing all the different colors, and, uh, and she described the Reds as bossy. That is not a nice description of Reds. Reds are leaders. They're assertive uh, and things like that. They're not bossy, although we, sometimes we're bossy. But so I'm a red, I want to be in charge, I want to have a sense of control, and, and so I, and I said to my, my business coach, I said, you know, what do I need to do to climb the ladder? And he's a strong Christian man, he ended up as an executive vice president, and he said, Kurt, you need to be cutthroat. You need to be willing to step on people's throats and throw people under the bus when you need to, to climb the ladder. You need to, you need to be immoral once in a while. I said, well... You're a strong Christian man. How did, you, how did you end up where you got? He said, I got lucky. I wasn't willing to do those things, and I got lucky. I ended up where I, where I was. And, and I believed him, and I don't think he was giving me, giving me a, a line. But, but the, the reality is many of the men, and I say men because I believe it's 13, and, and I could be wrong, but I believe it's 13 of the Fortune 500 CEO and presidents are women. So many of the men in power today have a level of corruption, have a level of immorality. And so the judge 
reminds us that there is injustice there. So the next question is, what does the judge then teach us about the world? What does the judge teach us about the world? And and I think the judge reminds us that there is, in fact, vast injustice in the world. That the world is a broken place. The judge also reminds us, though, that if we are going to overcome injustice and prevail in the face of oppression, that we need to be able to recognize all types of injustice, all types of of oppression in our lives, whether that's racial or economic or national or gender or sexual injustice. We need to be able to identify those, whether it's individual or community injustice or systemic injustice. We need to be able to see those for what they are. And here is why. In Deuteronomy 20, or 27 verse 19, it says this, Cursed be anyone who deprives the alien, the orphan, and the widow of justice. All the people shall say, Amen. Are you all awake? (laughs) Let's try that again. Cursed be anyone who deprives the alien, the orphan, and the widow of of justice. All the people shall say, That was much better. And here's the thing. I don't believe that that is an exhaustive list that is a call for justice for all people who are voiceless, who are powerless, who need justice in their name. God is saying, anyone who experiences injustice, let all people say, Amen. Let all people say, Amen. God is calling us as his people, as the people of God, to stand for justice, to say amen, and so be it, and let it be. And so we struggle against injustice. Because here's the thing, is that the judge teaches us and reminds us that he's transactional. And you know the thing about transactional people is transactional people can be broken. Transactional people can be swayed and persuaded because it's all about the transaction. And so the judge finally says in verse 5, he says this. He says, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming to me. The judge doesn't care about being a good man. He just cares about getting rid of her. He is transactional. He can be broken. And so we need to identify the different types of injustice together. Whether it's racial injustice, as Terry mentioned, um, Tatiana Jefferson we need to identify you know, and stand against racial injustice, African Americans being shot in their homes, Hispanics being locked in cages at our southern border, the rise of white nationalism, uh, mass shootings, economic injustice, income inequality, predatory lending practices, discriminatory hiring practices, national um, 
injustice, relations with Native Americans, environmental unsafe housing conditions in our urban communities, and I can go on and on, gender and sexual, LBTQ um, injustice. There, there are so many injustices, and the call as Christians, as a community of faith at Garfield Memorial is can we identify this? Can we see our individual injustice? Can we see our societal? Can we see our community, our friends and our family? Can we identify those injustices and stand together so that we might overcome them? Because God is a God of justice. So what is then our response to injustice? And not just that, I want to ask a, 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 maybe a bigger question, is what is our response to God? What is our response to God when we experience injustice? And here's, here's why I want to ask that question, is because if we really cut down to the, to the root of it, I think many of us, if we're really honest, and we would never voice this in church. At least I, 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 I wouldn't, because I'm a, I'm a good Christian. Is, is this. God, why did you allow this injustice to happen? Now, if I was like an unkind pastor, I'd be like, who's ever asked, who ever asked that question? Who's ever asked? Nobody's going to raise their hand, are they? Nah. But here, I mean, at the heart of the question, God, you can prevent this. Why did you? And I believe the widow, and we're going to transition to her in just a moment, but at the end of the day, the question oftentimes is, God, are you faithful? God, are you, are you going to... Are you willing and able to keep your promises? God, are you going to be faithful to your people? Are you going to be faithful to the poor and the outcasts? Because if it cuts down to the, to the base of it, is God, sometimes it's just simply, where are you? The Jewish people during the Holocaust, during World War II, that, that was literally the question that they asked. Is God, where are you? God, are you going to be God? And they cried out. They wrestled with him. The word Israel literally means one who wrestles with God. In preparation for my message, I was reading a book by Elie Wiesel, who, wrote, uh, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he, he wrote the book Night, which is probably his most famous book. But he wrote this book called Messengers of God. It's on Hebrew Midrash, which most of you have no, probably have no concept of what that is. But Hebrew Midrash tells the stories between the stories in the Old Testament. So it takes kind of, it goes into the, the minds of the people. So the story I was reading was about the story of Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him because God says, Abraham, go kill your son, the one that I promised all these great things to. And Abraham says, okay. And the, 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 the ancient Jewish rabbis are, are getting into the mind of Abraham saying, well, what is going on here? What is Abraham thinking about? And they call the story an injustice of God. Now, if you all are in a small group, and one of the people in your small group raises that question, how many of you just kick them out of small group? 
Or you go and tell Pastor Terry and ask that, her to kick him out of the small group, right? I mean, there, there, there's some sacrilege to that, and yet if it cuts to the heart of it, that I think is the honest question. And it's okay to ask that question, but the important next step is how do we move on from that? And that now brings us to the widow. Who is the widow, and what is her response to injustice? The widow is, the, is voiceless, she is powerless, she is oppressed. In biblical times, the widow was one of the most vulnerable people in society. She lived in a patriarchal society, and so she relied on the men to protect her, to provide for her, to take care of her. And so if her husband passed away, she was left completely vulnerable. She couldn't earn an income. She couldn't take care of herself. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't provide for her, her children. She would then have to look to one of her, um, one of her husband's family, a, a brother, a cousin, an uncle, someone to take care of her. And so in this case, most likely someone in her her um, extended family has not provided for her. We don't know the injustice that she has experienced it. It's most likely come from a man who's either abused her physically or sexually or neglected her and not provided for her. Um, But she's experienced this injustice. She probably prayed through and said, God, why did you let this happen? And now she has moved past it. She has not given up. She is tenacious. She is feisty. She's probably a red. That's why I like her so much, right? But she is not going to take this laying down. She's not going to take her injustice laying down. She is not going to give up. She says, I am going to take my plight to the judge, even though I know he is corrupt, that I know he's not going to give me justice, and I'm going to get justice for myself. And she goes after the judge, and she goes after the judge, and she goes after the judge. And so the question now is, is what can we learn from the widow's response to injustice? What can we learn from her response? Three things I think we can learn. Number one is we can learn from the widow's resourcefulness in getting justice. Her resourcefulness. Again, she knows the judge is transactional. She knows he's corrupt. She knows he's unjust. But she knows he's transactional. She knows she can break him. And so we already know she doesn't have a lot of resources. She doesn't have friends in high places. She doesn't have money, position, or power. She, but she does have presence. And so she uses it, Right? She starts texting, she starts calling, she starts showing up and showing up and showing up. She posts on social media, she goes in chat rooms, she, she's tweeting, she's going on Instagram. I mean, she's just everywhere. She's making poster boards, she's protesting. I mean, she is bombarding this guy, she is a thorn in his flesh. She's probably camping outside his house. She is there. She's probably got nothing else to do. She says, I am going to get my justice. She says to the judge, I ain't going nowhere. Let's go. I'm getting my justice, judge, and I know you're transactional, and I'm going to break you, and I'm going to get my justice. 
It doesn't matter what your resources are. You can get your justice. And I would encourage you just to, to look around just a moment. Look around. You have more resources than the widow does. Because you have a family sitting among you, a church community, a faith community, and you have a Lord that calls you his own. Because you are God's children, God's chosen, God's beloved. The next lesson I believe we can learn is we can learn from the widow's knowledges of the promises of God. I got ahead of myself a little bit. Because the widow knows Psalm 86, verse 5, father of orphans and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God will take care of the widow, and she knows that, and so she keeps coming because even if she can't break the widow God, or, or the, the, the judge, God will break the judge. The Holy Spirit will break the judge. And so she keeps coming and coming, and she does not lose heart because she knows the word of God. The word of God lives in her, and she knows ultimately God will prevail. And so not by our strength, but by the Lord's. Because with God, what's, 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 the, what's the end of the verse? With God, all things are possible. And finally, we learn from the widow. We can learn from the widow's persuasion that it relies on presence, persistence, and prayer. That, that everything we do when, when it comes to her persistence and her, pers- her, her presence is that it's got to be undergirded in prayer. And it comes back to that first book, first verse. It's, it's all undergirded with prayer that, that we can't do this by just showing up and fighting and showing up and fighting, but it has to be done with prayer. And that first question that the, the, the widow, you know, that, that maybe we ask, and I think that maybe the widow asks as well, is to, to, why God? Why are you letting this happen? And Jesus has an answer for that in, in verse 6. You know, the judge is saying, you know, listen to what the unjust judge says. And I will not, and will not, you know, the unjust judge finally says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her justice just to <laughs> get rid of her. But then it says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones? Last week, Pastor Steve talked about how we are his chosen ones just when we go to God. So you don't have to worry about whether God chose you or not. If you have responded to God's call, you are his chosen ones. And so it says, and will God not grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. You are the them. Say with me, I am chosen. I am chosen. chosen. And all the people said? All right, you got it. You got it. You can go home now. No, not quite yet. I got five minutes. You're good. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to be there. 
I'm not an unjust judge. I am the God of righteousness. I am the God of justice. Let justice roll. I will call you my own. I will bring justice. I will break the oppressor. I will break the unjust judge. And I will bring you righteousness and justice and goodness and mercy and unending love. Because I am God. Jesus says, we will not just bring it, but we will bring it quickly. But then he asks the most convicting and the most important question in verse 8. He says, I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man, and he's referring to Jesus there, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's put it this way. Will God find us faithful when that day comes? Oof, that was Pastor Scott's question. Will God find us faithful when that day comes? Faithfulness starts and ends with prayer. Our faithfulness hinges on prayer. Luke Timothy Johnson wrote a commentary, and in it he, uh, in it he says this. For Luke, who wrote this gospel and recorded this prayer, he says, For Luke, prayer is faith in action. Prayer is not an optional exercise in piety carried out to demonstrate one's relationship with God. It is the relationship with God. The, the way one prays, therefore, reveals that relationship. If the di- disciples do not cry out day and night to the Lord, then they, in fact, do not have faith. For that is what faith does. He goes on and says this, The parable is not promoting a technique of perpetual prayer or method of mysticism, but rather consistency and perseverance in praying. He's not saying just go through the motions. You can't just show up at the prayer wall, but you have to show up at the prayer wall and then go out and do it. But you better show up at the prayer wall too. And you better start in prayer, and then you better go out and do it. And so our faithfulness, to be found faithful, And the day that the Lord shows up hinges on prayer. Our faithfulness also, as we learn from the widow, requires presence. We need to show up. We need to show up. Just as the widow showed up, we need to show up. And we need to show up together. Because where Jesus says where two or three are gathered... God is there with us also. And so we need to show up, and we need to show up together. We need to show up at worship. We need to show up at small groups. We need to show up at workshops like the hate you give. We need to show up at the, at the protests. We need to show up at court when our friends are there fighting for injustice. We need to show up to fight against injustice. Wherever that might be, we need to show up, and we need to show up together. And we need to show up together 
all of the time, which brings us to that final place. Our faithfulness demands persistence. So we not just show up, but we show up time and time and time again. So do not lose faith. Do not give in to the temptation that God is unjust or unfaithful or uncaring or powerless because God is not those things. Amen? The day of justice is coming. And when it comes, it will come suddenly. So let us keep crying out in prayer. Let us pray. Let us show up. Let us repeat. Pray. Show up. Repeat. Pray. Show up. Repeat. Pray. Show up. Repeat. Pray, show up, repeat. Pray, show up, repeat. And we do it together. Let us pray.